Film Pulse is supported by the kind donations from listeners like you. Please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmpulse for just $1 a month and help keep the podcast on the air. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 255. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rankstraw. How are you, Kevin? Yeah, pretty good. All right, good. Glad to hear it. <laughs> this week on the show, we'll be talking about Trey Edward Schultz's It Comes at Night, alongside someone watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. But first, we have some news items to discuss. Uh, I guess... I guess we'll we'll start the show with um, there was unfortunately we had two two people pass away uh, this week. Glenn Headley, she was only sixty three. Fan of her work, yeah, yeah. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, yeah. yeah. What a role. Dick Tracy, thought, one I, of my I, I, one of my favorite movies as a child. I need to rewatch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I used to love that movie. I I rewatch that one every couple of years. Because I I love I love it as well I love that and the jerk so so I'll, I'll kind of alternate between the two so it'll be like a two year span then I'll watch one two years the other two and so on and so forth nice. that's kind of how I do good, that yeah, that's how I do my Steve Martin you know <laughs> you gotta re up every two years yeah because they're just yeah. they're so great and, and they used to play those movies so much on Comedy Central yeah and I don't watch com I don't watch comedy central like casually anymore so I, I kind of feel that that itch coming in and, and so i put one that of is, those two on yeah that's one of those that whenever that came on comedy central yeah, usually that, end up watching it to the end that that's the thing like that i miss about having just cable tv and not having the internet and netflix and all of these streaming media services where you know it'd be an afternoon lazy afternoon you just put that tv on and you just deal with whatever's on there. Like you yeah. just watch it. You know, you might change the channel if it's something horrible, like really bad. But most of the time, you just leave it on, and then you watch like five hours of absolutely fabulous. Yeah, now maybe you'll get maybe you'll get lucky and it'll be kids in the hall. Yeah, now you're in charge. SNL. You're in charge. You have the reins. But there was some. There, there was something. Well, now it's just it's overwhelming. Yeah. Really, sometimes. There, there have been times where I sit down to watch something and I'm literally so overwhelmed between the Blu-rays and screeners and five different streaming services and all this stuff that I end up doing nothing. <laughs> like I end up watching nothing. I'll mm -hmm. put on YouTube yeah, videos yeah. for like two hours instead. No, I, I definitely hear you. Because it's like, oh, let me check and see what Fandor got. See if they added anything new. Okay, well, let me check Mubi real quick. I want to watch something. And then it ends up being, you know, 45 minutes later. And it's like, oh, I don't have time to watch anything anymore. Yeah. And I've also done the thing where I will go onto a streaming service, browse through the movies, find one that I'm slightly interested in, and then end up looking up that director and then end up turning me watching a movie into like a three hour research marathon where I'm just like diving down the rabbit hole of, movies and, and I'm not watching anything but I'm just looking at what people have done and movies that certain actors have been in and just the IMDB letterboxed rabbit hole uh, we had another uh, unfortunate passing this week with Adam West this was uh, this was really terribly terribly sad he was 88 
he had uh, leukemia, I believe. Hmm. So that is absolutely terrible. I will never forget after school watching the Batman series in syndication. Every day after school, I would come home. Actually, I would go to the, the this woman who used to watch me after school. This was back in elementary school. Uh, this uh, sort of a babysitter. She'd give me uh, a little Debbie, a little Debbie snack cake. Nice. And I would sit down and watch Batman. And after Batman, there'd be some, I think, cartoons. But yeah, fond memories that. of watching that show. You were there for the little Debbie and Batman. Yeah. That's, little... I mean, that's, that's a pretty good uh, after school routine right there. Oh, yeah. Can't knock that one. And I remember one time I watched the movie Men at Work. There, it was on TV. Damn. With Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen. Formative years. Right yep. Spinet, do you remember that woman's house? Or her name? I do. It was Gloria. Okay. I was wondering. <laughs> All those wonderful things happen. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember her name. <laughs> I mean, she basically, like, I had very little interaction with her. She picked me up from school, took me back to her house, sat me down in front of the TV, and then she went off and did her own thing. And I just watched TV for the most part. <laughs> When it got nice out, sometimes I would go outside and like climb trees and stuff. But by and large, it was me in front of that TV watching it. Yeah, she was just she was her house was a holding cell essentially for you. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> pretty um, much. Uh, the Black Panther teaser trailer came out. Did you get a look at this? Did. And when's this come out? Put me on the spot. February sixteenth. 2018 yeah can't wait that long so you can't wait that long i can't i can't so you're pretty so you're pretty excited for it this looks fucking awesome did you like the run the jewels i did i love the i love what they did with the how they incorporated the the title the logo coming up at the end of the teaser with the song and it was just like whole it just got me so much more pumped up for it at the end i just i i loved uh through the course of the trip, just seeing the cast. I know. Like, Holy crap, that cast. <laughs> Killer. What? Maybe it looks awesome. Yeah. Killer cast. This is going to be the first Marvel movie that has a female cinematographer. Oh, yeah? Yep. So that's going to be... That. <clears throat> it's going to be nice. Hmm. Can't wait. Uh, we didn't get to see a whole lot in this teaser, but it was more than enough for me to be completely on board with this because he was he was a badass you didn't see civil war but he was in civil war and he was he was awesome in civil war and the cool thing was they didn't like waste time by doing a whole origin thing or anything like that like in civil war he was just black panther like he was already an established person yeah so yeah very cool i love the fact that the the uh the woman that's doing the Black Panther, she was also the cinematographer to Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, wonderful. So wonderful. Hopefully the visuals be all kinds of crazy. It looks like it's going to be fantastic. Well, especially that beginning scene when he's like, well, there's all the, the people on the, like the side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be, I think that's the, the most exciting thing for me with Black Panther is that it'll be hopefully it'll be colorful. It'd be nice to get some fucking color in these superhero movies. Agreed. Make them lavish. Just color everywhere. Come on. Let's Agreed. do it. Color splash. 
Yeah, let's get it. Last news story I want to talk about. Netflix's Okja shut out of hundreds of screens in South Korea. This is a story that won't die. I'll never stop talking about this as long as it's still a thing. What? 93%, 93% of the theaters in South Korea have stated that they will not be showing this movie in, in theaters. Okay. Because of the Netflix thing. Alright. How, I mean... Why, though? It's... This is a conversation we've had numerous times before, but anytime something like this comes up, I'm still going to mention it because it's utterly ridiculous and it needs to be continued to, to, there needs to be a continuing conversation about it because this is out of control. Like if the theater, this is, this is a, a really anticipated movie. This director, Bong Joon-ho, he's a big time director in South Korea. Like he, I mean, he's like, I don't know how, I don't know an uh, an accurate comparison. Like I I don't know for a fact that he's like the Steven Spielberg of South Korea or anything like that. But I do know that he is very popular, very successful over there. So for theater owners or theater chains rather to be shooting themselves in the foot over this, it just makes no sense to me. Well, I get to see it. I still get to see it, right? Yep. Okay. As as do I. So I probably get to see it in the theater too. So. We'll see. Um, the interesting thing about this this article that came out in Variety that that talks about it uh, says here. Uh, da, 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 da. So we, as we spoke about, I don't know if that was last week or the week before this premiered at Cannes. There was a huge uh, outrage from theater owners in France over this, the fact that it's going to be releasing on Netflix. Uh, so. It wasn't due for a theatrical release in France. So the response from Cannes was that the festival itself changed its rules and is requiring that all competition titles must have a must be destined for French release from now on. So from now mm-hmm. on, it ha- the, the movies that screen in competition at Cannes have to be slated for a theatrical release there. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think that that's that's stupid. I don't think there should be any kind of like if if I ha, if I make a movie and I'm I'm a new director, I'm really trying to get my movie out there. Netflix sees my script or whatever it is and says, "Hey, we're going to we're going to help you produce this movie. We're going to give you a little bit of money if you, you know, put it out on our platform." So what and about it, <laughs> but what about the films that don't have distribution yet that are waiting to get picked up at the film festival? Like you can't ensure that they're going to have that's true theatrical release. I thought that was like one of the main points of film festivals. Exactly. I I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know. And the, these are competition titles too. So typically the competition titles are, you know, the newer ones, new directors, new, new ideas, things like that. These aren't like uh, studio can't, films. These aren't. Man, can't just got some stupid ass rules. Seems like that's their number one rule. Is that they just got to come up with stupid ass rules. It's a dumbass film festival. Yeah, it says here a significant difference is that the French holdback of three years between theatrical and VOD releases is mandated by law, whereas the South Korean wait of three weeks is contractual. So there's a law that says that there there has to be a 
a disparity of th- of three years before a movie can end up on VOD. <laughs> All right, man, that, that that's baffling. I don't understand that. I mean, it, it just just get your movie. I mean, it's just it's a movie for Christ's sake. Like what? Like why would you need to? Eh, anyway, I'm tired of talking about this, but. You better believe if something else comes out this week that's in the same topic, well, I'm going to be talking about it because this is going to be an ongoing discussion. All right. Speaking of movies and theaters, this is, uh, I think this might be a film pulse per- first here uh, where you've gone, you've gone to the movies two weeks in a row. It's pretty cool. It's pretty this, excited this is, about this. This is cause for celebration, I think. Now, Yeah, I was actually... I wasn't planning on it because I actually just assumed that it probably wasn't going to come. And then I was driving past the theater and boom, pops up on the sign. And I'm like, oh shit, they got, it comes at night. All right. And then plans were made right there on the spot. And then that's incredible. Plans were fulfilled today. So (laughs) here we are. Plans were fulfilled. Now, uh, before we get into this, any interesting or notable theater experiences? Uh, it was just me and my wife and two elderly women. That's it. Well, I have a slightly interesting experience. Uh, probably not an uncommon experience with a lot of people that saw this in the theater, but I'll get to that when we talk about the movie. Anything involving fidget spinners again? No. No no fidget spinners this time. Thank, yeah. thank God. This movie would really piss me off if there was some fidget spinner action popping up when I'm trying to concentrate on this thing all right so it comes at night this is directed by trey edward schultz it's also written by him stars joy edgerton christopher abbott carmen ijogo uh riley keogh i have a synopsis here secure within a desolate home as an unnatural threat terrorizes the world a man has established a tenuous relation tenuous domestic order with his wife and son but this will soon be put to the test when a desperate young family arrives seeking refuge. Now, this is billed as a horror movie. A lot of people are talking about how this, this movie was mismarketed. Like, it wasn't, wasn't marketed properly. I would argue that it, was, that it was marketed perfectly. Okay. Because it is billed as a horror movie, uh, and it is not a horror movie in the traditional sense the sense that the trailer gives you okay uh, this is this is very much to me at least it was very much kind of a a thriller a suspense thriller more than anything uh and then maybe i would even call it a, f- a family drama you got some horror elements in there though can't completely discount those i mean they're kind of cheap but the the dream sure i mean there there are horror elements but I would still probably consider this to be a thriller. I think that yeah, I think the, it's also a thriller. I, I think the agree. the idea, the ideas behind it are horror, meaning that uh, f- fear of the unknown. So it plays with the themes of horror and what what tends to scare us and make us paranoid. Uh, but I feel like the the movie itself is more of a, a thriller, uh, and I, I'll say that. I didn't come out of it loving it as much as uh, critics, most critics, but yeah. I, I did enjoy myself. I thought that it was one that the the longer it 
I sat with it, the more I was like, oh man. Because I was thinking back to some of these interactions between the characters, especially uh, between like Joel Edgerton and Christopher Abbott. And just that the way that those characters had a dialogue with each other and the insane amount of tension and suspense that was conveyed, even in scenes where nothing was going on. Where you're just like, why am I on edge right now? Why am I so tense? Why am I sweating right now? And it was like, there's no reason for you to be, but you were putting all these things together in your mind about what could happen. And I think that that's, that's where the movie is successful in that it gets your mind racing about what could be happening or what's going to happen. And I think that that's what makes this movie so successful. Hmm. Maybe, maybe I need to sit with it longer. Maybe I'll come around. I thought it was, I mean, this is another one of those films where it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's there's two sides to it, right? Number one, to me, there's no denying that I think it's it's solid filmmaking. And then the, the other half of it is, it's just, it's kind of a nothing of a film to me. Mm-hmm. It seems kind of cheap and lazy and just really unoriginal. Well, the, the, the unoriginality of this movie, uh, the fact that when I came out of it, I was like, I saw at least two other movies that I can think of right now that have this almost exact same plot. There's Here Alone that came out, I think, last year. It was about a woman living in an isolated, wooded area during an outbreak, and a father and son come to live with her and kind of upend her life. Then there's The Survivalist, which came out just a few weeks ago, which is about two brothers living in the woods after you know, a, an apocalyptic event. And then a two women come to live, uh, happen upon their cabin and the same thing happens. So it's like, yes, I, I completely, uh, I'm completely on board with the, the unoriginality of this movie is that we've seen this exact plot <laughs> several times before. Yeah. I think that the execution of it is done mm, slightly better in this one than some of those, but I think like the survivalist probably does as a whole does the the concept better. Yeah. All right. I'm actually I'm, I'm still pretty interested in seeing that movie. I might have to check that out then. Yeah, I mean it, it's very similar. It's a very similar kind of uh narrative, but I think that the the themes are are very different. Mm. Yeah, and I mean just from right off the bat with um you know, the sun having the nightmares or whatever. Just like I kind of said, it felt a little cheap because it was just essentially like, okay, we don't really have anything horror in this movie. Anything but tangible. This, yeah, but this this allows, like as soon as, you know, he falls asleep, it's like, okay, open playground. We can do whatever we want because it's a dream. So we can just have that. And we don't really need to tie it into anything. We can just go for, you know, purely just you know, essentially just try to elicit reactions. Well, but I think it's, they're, you know what I mean? Like they kind of exist on their own outside of the actual film because they, they don't really, to me, they didn't really tie into anything. Well, I think that what they, what the, the dreams were meant to do was to manipulate the audience as the characters themselves were being manipulated by their own fear. Like the, this, he was having these dreams, these constant dreams about this possibility of infection. 
when we as an audience were also wondering when when is the when is the shoe going to drop here when is this going to happen because we we feel like this is foreshadowing for something like every time he has one of these horrific dreams it's like okay something's going to happen here We're, we're building to something and that kind of dread is building within us as well as the characters are becoming more paranoid and kind of more unhinged as they yeah. go along too. So I think that the, the whole movie is kind of a play on our fears and uh, like fear of the unknown. I, and I think to a certain extent, I agree with that. But at the same time, I think you're essentially just waiting for the inevitable to happen because it kind of, you know, it kind of paints itself into a corner right from the outset, but you know, between Paul and will and them bringing the other family into their house. You, you essentially know, like as soon as they show up, you're like, well, this isn't going to end well. No, of course not. And if you saw the trailer, then you would know that definitely something bad happens. Yeah. And you're holed up with guns and you don't know each other. I mean, right off the bat, Paul doesn't trust anyone. So you're just like, okay, at some point you guys are going to be pointing guns at each other. When's that going to happen? And then it finally happens. And yes, it is. It's tense. I will give you that. It is very tense. But at the same time, when is people holding guns to each other not that tense? I mean, I mean, you would have to be extremely incompetent to really fuck that sequence up. Well, but, for, me, for me, it ah. wasn't like those. Those were the obvious scenes of tension. But for me, what was effective was the the less obvious scenes like, you know, the dog barking outside it seemingly nothing in the woods and just how everything felt like it was a buildup. Uh, the the car ride when they when they were driving and you know they they were getting shot at and stuff like everything everything just felt uh, so weighty to me even even just basic conversations they were having at the dinner table felt like something is gonna happen here even when they it seemed like everything was okay yeah I mean now, I just now it, that being to, said, to me it just comes back to you know like I kind of said what we have I mean how many movies do we have of fear of the unknown and paranoia and suspicion and that type of thing. And just, I mean, for me, number one, not original. Number two, it just, it feels like you could have done so much more here. Now, again, the, the, the filmmaking is, it's, it's solid filmmaking. I'll give them that. I mean, the, the use of natural light and everything, I just, I thought it was fantastic the way he shot a lot of this, but for what he's actually shooting, I don't know. Eh? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I, I, I think that there was a lack of substance here. And I think that one thing that may have helped, and I hate I hate doing this where I, I like say what I think, you know, would, would have worked better. Like, this is what you should have done. Like, obviously, this guy knows how to make a better movie than I could. But I think that what I, what I probably would have liked to see is more, more development between the, the two uh, sets of characters and maybe a a deeper conflict there between Joel Edgerton's family and Christopher Abbott's family. Maybe have us spend a little bit more time with them. And so that way, when the inevitable does happen, it, it feels more like there is more weight to it because the way, the way that it is, it's like, Oh, these people are, they stay there for like a day, you know, before they leave. And then then the shit hits the fan. So it's like, maybe spend some more time, maybe have something else happen that brings the two of those characters together more into more of a friendship and then have the big, you know, whatever happen 
So that way it's more, it, it packs a bigger emotional punch. But also like, I felt like there just wasn't, I don't know. There wasn't much of a resolution to it either. No. And it also seemed like he, he planned up until, you know, the big culminating scene, you know, where they kind of, you know, they kind of collide. He thought, you know, he kind of planned up until then. And then after that kind of happened, it was just, it felt really, really messy after that. Everything's just like, I don't know really what to do after that. Like, I kind of want to end it there, but I'm going to keep going for some reason. Yeah, everything starts to move very fast after that. And it, yeah, it, I'm it, just it ends like, very abruptly after that as yeah, well. Yeah, because I was just like, what the fuck is this? What are we doing now? Yeah, I think I think that's where a lot of people uh, were very disappointed. with. Like when In my theater, there was a very loud woman in the back in the back of the theater who anytime there was one of the jump scares or anything, she would just lose her mind. I mean, she was hamming it up, boy. She was hamming it up. She was so ready to be in this scary movie. Like she was forcing it. Like it was, this was clearly forced. Informative. So when the movie ends, when the movie ends, she's just like, no, no. Are you kidding me? That's some (laughs) bullshit. No. And she was livid she was so angry yeah and it kind of made me like the movie more <laughs> despite her yeah <laughs> like you know what i'm glad that happened you know, I'm, you. i like this movie now i'm glad it ended that way i mean i'm okay with it ending you know and the kind of that things are kind of up in the air but it, it to me it just felt messy after that point where it didn't have like a clear idea what it was what it was trying to convey or what it was trying to do yeah, I like the final shot a lot. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll I agree with you on that. Uh, performance wise, I thought uh, everybody was pretty great. I mean, the Joel Edgerton is is the the standout, but I thought Christopher Abbott did a really good job too. I mean, mm-hmm. these I are these are very minimal roles for these people, but I think Joel Edgerton kind of shines when he has a minimal role. They don't. <laughs> They don't give him much opportunity to fuck it up. That's what you're saying. No, I think he's a great actor no matter what. But I, when I say minimal role, I mean somebody who is a man of few words but has a lot of emotion. Like you look at Midnight Special, he doesn't necessarily have giant monologues, but you yeah. always know what the the man is feeling. It seems um, like he's maybe he's getting because yeah, now that you mention that, it seems like that's most of his roles now. Yeah. Kind you better be careful. Gonna start getting typecast. He's getting settled in there. He's getting settled in. It's gonna start taking uh, like Michael Shannon's. Oh shit! Roles. Oh my god! You're gonna start beefing, calling it now. Black Phillip was in this. Did you? Uh... Yeah, I don't give two fucks about Black Phillip. <laughs> Shut the fuck I, up about that. Goddamn as soon as goat. I saw, as soon as I saw that, like on my news feed, I was like, "Oh man, I bet Kevin is just so angry this at that. He fuck. probably hates this movie even more now that now this he knows Black goat. Phillips in it." This fucking goat. It's better than The Witch. <laughs> I'll give you that. This movie's oh, okay. better. Than... I actually but... disagree with that. I think I think The Witch was better than this. But... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I do. I do kind of feel that they're similar. They are. They are very similar. They're very yeah. understated art house. Maybe the witch is better. You think it was the goat? You think it was Black Phillip? 
If it was doing actually everything. Black Phillip, like the character Black Phillip. Yeah, he was doing everything. That's what the dog was barking at. Well, if you think about one. it, after That's the funny. goat came... Everything went to shit. We know what happened, so... There's a very real possibility. It's goat. I don't know what people were expecting out of this movie. Like, were they were they thinking that it was a zombie movie? Or oh, I don't know. Like, I, like, I'm just I'm not sure what the expectation was. I guess maybe people were thinking that it was going to be more kind of high octane horror. See, I mean, for me, I I essentially went. I didn't really know anything about this at all, except for he directed Krisha, and I think. My wife pointed out that there was uh, like there was some sort of virus or something, and I, like that's all I knew. So I was, I mean, there was a part of me that was happy that it didn't like turn on to like a full, you know, pandemic virus type film. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's still, you know, when Will shows up, I'm like, well, this is probably only going to go one way, and then it goes that way. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm honestly surprised that the this currently has an 86 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's uh, high. It's it does seem very high to me. I'm 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 not really I don't really know why it's so high. I mean, <laughs> according to this, like the the average rating is 7.3 out of 10. So when you look yeah. at that, you're like, okay, that I can get that. Yeah. When you see a score of 86 percent, you instantly think like this movie is going to be amazing. But then you look below, and it's like, okay, critics are saying 7.3 out of 10. 7 out of 10 is, I think, a reasonable score to give this. Yeah, I could say, yeah, I could see that. And with that, let's go ahead and give it our scores. Kevin, what are you oh going to give if it comes at Watch night? Watch out. Oh, man. What am I going to give if it comes at night? Uh, uh, five. Five and a half. Okay, that's a 5.5. I'm going to go ahead and throw out a... I'm at like a six six point five seven on this. I'm like somewhere in in between there. Six point five seven. And how much of that is because of the woman? <laughs> none, none. I. She, she not enough to give it any kind of uh, point bump there. Uh, I was hoping that it was one of those instances where like the credits started rolling. You're like, this is a six, and then as soon as you heard her outburst, you're like seven. <laughs> Fuck you, it's seven. <laughs> No, I did almost nod off a couple times in this, though. I will, I will admit that. I don't think it was the movie per se. It was just, I don't know. I guess I was just tired. I held on. I didn't actually lose yeah. consciousness, but there were there were a couple head dips that that happened here. <laughs> dip in the old head. The old dip of the head. Yeah. The thing is, I I don't know if I'll by the end of the year. I don't know if I'll remember this movie. Yeah. too much you know what i mean yeah. like i yeah. just don't know if it's gonna stick with me i like that lighting though oh yeah and, uh, uh, yeah in vis- visuals i thought were on point uh sound was on point as well uh th- there were a couple cheap jump scares in there you know the loud sounds the, yeah. the, the they they eliminate the music and then you have extended silence and then the loud sound they did a couple no. of those which I could have done without. I felt like the tension was n- building naturally enough that you didn't have to include those things. Yeah. But, eh, you know, still, uh, I'd still say it's it's worth a look. Don't don't know if you necessarily have to see this in the theater, honestly. But I'd I'd say it's uh it's better than the Mummy. 
from what you I'm think? seeing. Did here. you see, did you no, see no, the mom? I, I didn't see it. Oh, but it, how the fuck do you know? Well, huh? According to my my Twitter feed and the uh, the, the, the reviews it's, on this one, it's at seventeen percent. Yeah, so that. This is uh, this one's okay. this one's a bomb. I guess, I guess that might not be too far of a stretch to say that it comes at night is better than the mummy. Yeah, I think it got. I just, I think it's bombing at the box office too. Actually, yeah. Well, it, I mean, and another thing that it comes down for me, you know, is if if I never saw it comes at night, you know, would I would I have really missed that much? Right, and when I'm. Yeah, and it's like if I never would have if I never would have seen it comes at night I feel like I still saw it comes at night because <laughs> there are again multiple movies that are very eerily similar to this one. What hell? I mean, at one point he's like, "Well, we're gonna go, you know, get the family and bring them back." It's like I know this movie. I know how you're gonna end up. Like I it, like at that point, it felt like I've seen this. Because again, you kind of write yourself into a corner where it's like, unless you're gonna, you know, commit yourself to going batshit insane, there's really, there's one really, you know, outcome here. I was hoping that that's where it was, was gonna go. I was, I had fingers crossed yeah, toward the end. I, I really like, thought just, that it was gonna go nuts. Just please go nuts. Just go crazy. And then the credits rolled, and I was like, ah, you missed your chance. Yeah. Yeah. Fucker. All right. So that's it. Comes at night. That's playing in theaters everywhere right now let's move on and talk about someone we're watching on the watch list kevin i think we'll start with you this week uh-oh me i'm not ready okay. now i'll go okay I'll go. all right i did i i covered that uh funeral parade of roses oh yeah it got a new uh restoration new 4k re-release get that, get that 4k re-release nice. i've been wanting to see this sucker for a long time it was for the longest time it's only been available uk from the Masters of Cinema um, series of DVDs, right? And there's so many times that I almost imported this. And then finally, someone stateside stepped their game up, Cinelicious Picks. Thank goodness. Because, like, I kind of knew going into this that from what I've heard, because the number one thing I've noticed with this movie is I don't think I've ever seen anyone dislike it. I think pretty much every, you know, thing I've ever seen pop up on Letterboxd or Twitter or whatever has been, you know, praise so going into this one i figured it's gonna be good i don't think i'm gonna be let down might not be a masterpiece but it's gonna be good at least and holy shit this movie is great this is like high level incredible he does i mean it's just non-stop the type of things that he tries out in here it's a i mean it's a debut too which i didn't i didn't uh i didn't realize until i was kind of you know looking it up after after watching it which you know even bumped it up a little bit more because as you're watching it you know if you if you told me that this was a debut i'd have been like no it can't be but at the same time it kind of makes sense because he's he's essentially it's just like he doesn't know what he's doing but he has a shit ton of talent and he's just trying everything and he just doesn't really you know he's not really playing by any any sort of rules and I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. It's messy as hell, but, oh my God, that's why it makes it so great. And from what I understand, this was a pretty, this is a movie that was pretty ahead of its time. It came out in 1969, but it's dealing with a lot of, like, issues of gender and stuff like that, right? Isn't it about 
drag yeah, queens it's, it's, or it's, well i and i'm not 100 percent sure because like i all the times that you see them they're you know they're women so i'm thinking okay they're transvestites in the movie they're i guess their label at that time was gay boys gay boys because this gay says boys. in the synopsis on letterbox it says cross-dressing club kid eddie vies with a rival drag queen for the favors of drug dealing cabaret manager gonda okay but see to me like drag queens is more of like a performative thing right where you kind of like you know like divine or something where you kind of dress up for the night and you do your performance and everything like the people here they're permanently yeah even yeah when they're at home they're dressed up okay so maybe they're maybe they're transgender then yeah i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure but i mean the one of the things that really caught me off guard is like he'll constantly like interrupt he'll just like pull out and he'll just start interviewing the people like the first sex scene that happens, they just pull out. You see everyone filming it, and they just cut. Oh yeah, I saw they, in the like trailer for it. Yeah. Yeah, and they just starts talking to the actors and stuff, and it's like, what do you think of the sex scene, and what do you think of this, and they, you know, ask them about being gay boys and stuff, and it's just, it's really, really interesting. And there's, he, you know, he pulls out and pauses to to talk to the guy that's playing Eddie, and in in with the, with the questions that he's asking and stuff he spoils the movie like he tells you like essentially he tells you what the ending is oh, that sucks. and like well it's funny because like at the time i didn't think anything of it until i got to the end mm. then i was like oh yeah he told me about that like 20 minutes ago and then it like it just pauses and there's just some random dude that just he essentially just gives a review of the film and then it goes back to the film hmm. like there's, there's all sorts of stuff going on here and it's bloody i didn't uh I never really thought that it would get like violent and bloody and it does. And that was kind of, that kind of came out of nowhere. It was, it was quite effective. Pretty shocking. Cool. Uh, that is playing now in New York. It is, uh, again, the title is funeral parade of roses. So it's playing now in New York. I think that it's coming out later this month, like next week, I think it's coming out in LA and then they're doing, a bigger rollout shortly thereafter. They haven't said exactly mm-hmm. if what other theaters it's going to, or if it's going to get, it'll definitely get a Blu-ray release. Um, Cinelicious has been really good about releasing their, their remasters, the movies that they remaster on uh, Blu-ray. I did uh, a while ago, I did um, private property. Mm-hmm. It was Cinelicious to put that out and it was a phenomenal release. So I'm sure that they're going to do this one. Uh, yeah, do, do this one right as well. I saw Dreamscape from 1984. Dreamscape. Dreamscape. This sounds interesting. This is starring Dennis Quaid as a psychic yes. who gets hired by a government agency to go into people's dreams in order to yes. find out information and to help them through various psychological problems they're having. <laughs> Are you serious? This is a real movie. <laughs> it coast. It stars uh, Max von Sydow, Christopher Plummer, also uh, Kate Capshaw is in it. George Wentz in it. This movie is uh, it's so ridiculous. Uh, I had a, a pretty good time with this one. David Patrick Kelly's in it too. He plays kind of the bad guy, one of the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, effects work in this movie is absolute garbage. They they use green screen 
and it must be pretty early green screen technology because it looks absolutely atrocious anytime they go into the dream world mm-hmm. but it's still hilarious there's this one fantastic scene where because see david patrick kelly's character is also he's also a psychic and he can also enter people's dreams mm-hmm. and but he's a bad guy so he he gets hired to kill the president by entering his the president's dreams so he goes into the president's dreams and Dennis Quaid goes into the president's dreams as well to save him and David Patrick Kelly uh since they're in the dream world they can just do whatever so he so he makes nunchucks naturally you're in a dream you can do whatever you want you make nunchucks to fight with hell yeah so anyway he makes nunchucks and he fights Dennis Quaid in the president's dreams with nunchucks and it's so ridiculous and incredible this sounds fantastic yeah i mean it's a bad movie don't get me wrong it's it's pretty bad but it's the fun kind of bad for sure yeah you at least have a good time with it yeah again just that you sold the hell out of it just (laughs) i tried two guys are in the president's dream world one guy creates nunchucks and then at one point he creates he makes his fingernails grow really long like Freddy Krueger. It's basically like a Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street ripoff at that point. <laughs> it's good stuff, though. Uh, I would recommend it. Like, the first one of the first dreams that he goes into is this kid who's having these horrible nightmares. He's like night terrors. And he goes into this kid's dream, and this kid has this recurring dream where he's being attacked by a giant snake. And Dennis Quaid helps the kid kill the snake, cut its head off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> giant uh, cobra snake dreamscape sounds awesome yeah that's dreamscape from 1984 check it out damn uh i watched uh ap and ak for the uh, latest edition of unsung indies it's been a little bit so this is ahmed kwaja and andre puka which they they i did you know like maybe four or five ago was their their first film together uh quack or cassandra with k this is essentially like a, a sequel, a sequel of sorts, like another another chapter in the saga, where with the first film, they kind of, it was Ahmed essentially trying to make this movie about this girl that he was in love with. And it, you know, he's kind of having trouble with it. He brought, he ended up becoming friends with Andre and he kind of came in to like help him make this film. And then it kind of it changed from there and it more so became a, a film about like their friendship and them trying to make this movie and everything. So this is kind of like the natural extension of that where it's uh, another documentation of their friendship, but it's also like in the beginning, he's Ahmed is uh, like interviewing Andre about like how they came to meet each other and how they ended up becoming friends and roommates and about making the first film and you know, so it's they're talking about, you know, they're essentially like exploring like the past of their friendship while documenting it in the current state. And it's all just really interesting to watch unfold. But it's also, I mean, a thing for, the, you know, the the movies that these guys do is that they're just they're really watchable. They're just they're fun to watch. And it's fun to watch these two just documenting them making a movie but yet this time around they're not they're not really 
it doesn't seem like they have like an end goal, like a movie that they're trying to make. It's just essentially like, you know, they're just like a uh, home video style, just recording everything. And then it, you know, it seems like they just took all the footage at the end and just created something out of it. So it's almost like it's a, it's a film, but it's not a film. I know it's, it's really interesting to watch. Okay. I noticed this isn't even on IMDb. What's up with that? No, no, this is not. This is like, I think it's tough because Ahmed has, he seems to recut his films constantly. Like when I watched Quack and covered it, the I got a response from him immediately saying, I'm almost done with the latest cut. And I was like, well, how many cuts exist of this film? And he's like, seven. So he's like there. It, it seems like another that like that's another interesting aspect to this, where it's like I don't know what version I saw. Like I don't know if I saw the first one or like the the third iteration of it or like the fifth iteration, or you know if you go to try and watch this movie the next time, it might be you know it might be cut differently. I don't know because he just has it up on his on their uh, Vimeo page. Hmm. Okay. So it seems like they're never done with them. All right, so it is available for free, is that right? Yeah, it's completely free. I have a review up for the, you know, the Unsung Indies. At the bottom of that review is just, you know, the embed from the Vimeo. Okay, yeah. So Vimeo check it out. Page. Go go check out uh, Kevin's write up on it and you can check out the movie afterwards if it sounds interesting. I know it sounds interesting to me. I want to see it. Well, then you should see it. You should do that. Well, I think I will. <sighs> I would I would watch Quack first. Yeah, I've been that that's one I've get, been meaning to see for a while now. He might even have another cut of that one hmm. by now. Uh, I saw Evil Ed from 1997. This is the one that uh, I was saying I wanted to check out that came out on Arrow Blu-ray uh, a couple okay. weeks ago. I actually didn't get the Blu-ray. I watched this on Amazon. Amazon has it on. Um, if you are a Prime member. They have it as part of their Prime Video, whatever, streaming stuff. So I watched it on there. And I got to say, I'm hoping that the Arrow release fixed this movie because whatever version they have on Amazon is absolute garbage. Like, it was, I think it was a VHS transfer or maybe it was like some kind of bad DVD transfer. Um mm-hmm. Like at the beginning of the movie, there's like artifacting. There's like this weird digital artifacting that's taking place. So it must have been some kind of like poor transfer done on the DVD or something. But that to me that was like unacceptable. I was like, okay, well this is this is bad. Uh, the 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 quality of the video itself is just awful. <laughs> I think that this was shot on video, but I'm not I'm not sure. Not not shot on video. Sorry, it was shot on digital. I think maybe early digital. Uh, the the aspect ratio it's like a four three and it just looks so bad. Uh, anyway, that aside, the movie's about uh, this editor who basically it's Barbarian Sound Studio if you remember that movie. It, but oh, except yeah. it's an editor, so it's it's about an editor who gets the task of piecing together this uh, horror film series. And basically his job is to, it's an American horror film series and it's his job to sort of cut it down for the European censors. And in doing so, 
it the the level of violence in the movies that he's working on drives him crazy and he starts killing people there's a lot of uh some of the some of the gore effects and makeup effects are decent but that's really all i can say positively about this movie it's it's garbage it's complete garbage i like the the poster that's on letterbox i know it's fantastic i love that number one it's a hatchet split them in half and that you know the inside of his skull is just it's used. just liquid it looks it's like, just yeah, straight it's liquid just like, <laughs> like he has no skull no brain nothing it's just all liquid and i just i also love the look on his face where he doesn't seem that like terrified he's just kind of like oh no it's such, know, a, it's such a clean cut too like his that is yeah that's one sharp ass hatchet get that juice yeah, I I actually can't recommend this movie. It's uh, it's really bad. It's basically just an Evil Dead ripoff, uh, done very poorly. It's not funny at all. It's it's sort it is it's supposed to be a horror comedy. Like there's a lot yeah. of comedy in it, a lot of slapstick type stuff, but none of it lands. Like it's all so juvenile and stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but does anyone is there is there juice heads though? Not really. I mean, there's there's a fair amount of heads being lopped off and whatnot i don't i don't even recall a, a hatchet maybe, splitting a head down the middle in this yeah because i mean that's kind of it's kind of bullshit you have a poster that's advertising a head getting split open with juice inside and then did not have that in the actual film yeah also i believe this is some uh, i think this is like a swedish film or something mm-hmm. maybe that was mm-hmm. like dubbed in english it was like one of those deals where all the actors are like Swedish actors, but they did their lines in English and then they just overdubbed them with voice oh, okay. actors. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's just, ugh. Okay. there's some, uh, there's some kind of silly monster effects and like some puppet work. Cause like, I, f- I feel like for some reason in the nineties, like the mid nineties, every horror movie had to have some sort of like creature, like monster in it. So there were some really goofy ones. Uh, it sort of reminded me of like House Two or something in this like sort of poorly done, but at the same time kind of fun. Yeah. At any rate, I can't recommend Evil Ed. That's unfortunate. I was hoping it was going to be another fantastic sounding one like Dreamscape. I know. I was I was excited to see it. I, like this is a movie that I've been meaning to watch for a long time. That's always a bummer when those let you down. It's ones that you've been waiting. And I kind of in that same vein segue look at me um i saw hello destroyer this is a canadian film by uh kevin funk which heard a lot of good things uh been wanting to see this for quite some time maybe not as long as you've been wanting to see evil ed uh and it starts off it's it's solid film and but up until a point like i was so jazzed up because the visuals are great the performances are great and I found the the narrative actually, you know, it was it's something different. You know, it's about uh, it's a young hockey player who, you know, he's kind of he's got a lot of energies trying to trying to make it on a team. He's a rookie, so you know, he's giving it his all. And of course, there's this whole culture of like you know being really tough, and he's kind of like a it's kind of like an enforcer, you know, a defenseman going around slamming people into the boards and getting into fights and that type of thing. So everyone's like really. And because he's, you know, he's kind of amped up and doing a great job of it, everyone's, you know, really supportive and, you know, patting him on the back. And so everything's going great. And then, unfortunately, he slams someone in the boards one game, 
gets thrown out. He's not really sure what's going on. He does kind of notice that the kid's not really moving. And then, you know, ends up that he inadvertently killed this kid. Just, you know, just unfortunately slammed him into the board, you know, whatever. So from then on, it's really about, you know, him trying to trying to cope with this and trying to move forward and, you know, just essentially being lost, really. Which immediately afterwards, it works. You know, it's really subtle. It's, it's, it has a slow pace to it. It's really contemplative. At least it seems like it is. But then you start to notice that this this subtlety is not really subtlety. It's just it's just kind of empty, and we're not really doing anything after a while, except reiterating the same point, which is that he's kind of lost. He doesn't know what to do, and it just goes on and on and on like that. And then it even kind of gets a little um, a little confusing in the sense that there's a, there's some of these scenes where him, you know, like driving home in his truck and he pulls off to the side of the road and he gets out and he just kind of looks into the distance and then it just kind of lingers and then it cuts to another scene and it's just like okay did i need that like you've kind of set up what his you know what his mindset like what he's Mm -hmm. dealing with Mm -hmm. with his mind state is like i kind of get it that just seemed kind of pointless to me so it kind of does that and it just unfortunately it it just you know kind of undermines itself and become kind of grows stale so Okay. It's another one of those that's like down the middle. All right, that's... There's some solid filmmaking in the beginning there. but mm. All right, and that's Hello Destroyer. I saw Shimmer Lake. This is out now on Netflix. Netflix original movie. This is kind of an interesting one. It's directed by Oren Uziel. I think, the, I think this is a featured debut for him. Uh, so it's kind of a, this is kind of a murder mystery uh, slash heist movie, but it's kind of done in an interesting way it's all it's presented in a reverse order so the it goes day by day so the movie starts friday and then shows you what happens on friday and then it goes to thursday wednesday you know etc mm-hmm. uh it stars rain wilson and rob cordry and adam pally and ron livingston and wyatt russell mm-hmm. uh so those are almost all comedic actors this is not a comedy uh, that was kind of the first strange thing about this movie is that it, I'm not exactly sure what, the, what this was supposed to be because it's not really funny. There's some slight bits of comedy. The main character is completely deadpan. Like this guy, he doesn't even, I'm not sure he even has a personality. Like he's just completely flat. This guy. Uh, it's played by Benjamin Walker. He was the guy who was uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. That guy. Okay. So he's just completely flat in this, and the other characters are more animated. But I just I wasn't sure what they were going for tonally in in this movie. Uh, at first, I was almost hating it. Uh, just I thought that the reverse order thing was sort of a gimmick, and I just was not. I wasn't into it at all. I was. I thought that the 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 crime itself was very predictable. Like I thought I knew exactly what was going on with it and where it was going and blah blah blah. Uh, but then uh, something interesting happened. I actually lost my internet connection with only about 15 minutes remaining on the movie, and I was like, well, f- I don't even know if I'm going to finish this. But when it came back up, I did finish it, and that's when kind of the twist occurs. And I was like, okay. I see 
Because at first I was like, why, other than a gimmick, why are they even doing it in reverse order? But after the big kind of twist happens, then it all makes sense. And you can kind of put it all, you, you understand why they did it that way. Because it is still sort of a gimmick. But uh, the fact that the reveal, you know, the big twist is actually at the beginning of the story and not the end. Uh, that's why they did it in reverse order. And I thought that that was kind of cool. Okay. Overall, I'd still say it's just another Netflix movie at this point. When you watch it, you're just like, yep, this fits right in. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't understand how they can somehow find these movies at festivals that all feel the exact same. Like, I, I really don't understand it. Because I was trying to think about these types of movies before they were on Netflix. Yeah. And if I would be able to somehow lump them all together, then I don't know if I would be able to. It's got to be like whoever it is that's in charge of picking these films up, they know exactly what they want and they can identify it immediately. Because you're right, they are like they all feel the same. They all, they all kind of have the same look to them. They all take place. They have kind of the same feel. They yeah. all kind of have like the same pace to them. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. I don't. It's really confusing. Yep. You know, this is this is another one to add to the list. It's it's not bad. It's not great. It's just uh, meh. And the whole title mm. is a little misleading because almost nothing takes place on Shimmer Lake at all. Oh. Yeah. Very very little very little of it is actually on Shimmer Lake. Almost nothing really. Lies. Lies. Yeah. A lot of movies lying today. Mm-hmm. That's what we're learning. Oh, that's that's the uh, that's the world we live in now, Kevin. Lies. Anything else on mm. your list? Nope, that's it. All right. Um, I'll quickly mention War on Everyone. This is the new um, John Michael McDonough movie. It's on Netflix now. Also, found out that this came out on VOD like back in February or something, and it's just now ending up on Netflix. Not really sure how I missed it, but. Needless to say, I did. This is the uh, from the director of Cavalry, which I was a huge fan of, and uh, The Guard, which I was also a big fan of. So I was pretty excited for this one. Uh, the trailer wasn't really doing it for me, but I figured, eh, I'll give it a look regardless. I'm still excited just because it is John Michael McDonough. Uh, this stars Michael Pena and Alexander Skarsgård as corrupt cops. They're, they're uh, bad detectives. And it basically follows all the the same trappings that you would expect from one of these types of movies, like a bad lieutenant or what was that one with Woody Harrelson? I think it was called Rampart, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the corrupt yeah. cop film uh, yeah. or, or what was the one um, filth filth? That was the other, the other one that's this, this sort of resembles uh, where they're basically just bad cops, but they do it in a very comedic way. This is a dark comedy. So it's, uh, it's got a lot of, a lot of, uh, they're trying to offend you. You know, they're, they're deliberately yeah. being politically incorrect in this movie. And they're just, they're trying to push your buttons. They're, they're doing like racial slurs and they're just, oh, they're just, man. these guys, they're out of control cops. Man, I've never seen that before. Yeah. But, uh, I actually thought that there were some, there were a few parts that made me laugh, uh, quite a bit. A lot of the jokes certainly didn't land for me, but, there were a few moments that I thought were funny. I liked Michael Pena's character in particular. I thought Alexander Skarsgård was really weird. He ha- he had this kind of like 
his posture was like really strange in this and he, the way he kind of like lurked he was like lurking that's what i would call him but he likes a lurker it's just, he, yeah he was a little weird in this movie uh his character was kind of odd but caleb landry jones is in this as well and he plays the exact character that you would expect caleb landry jones to play yeah meaning a strung out creep you now and again this is another one of those things where i always wonder if do do they have another character in mind and he's just only able to i don't know to channel that and they're just like oh, fuck that's all we're getting i guess i think we i think we spoke about this when we did our get out review i don't know i don't know if he's being typecast but i mean he was perfect for the role if that was the character and if he just brought his own thing to it then that worked too because he was a he was a villain he was a good villain character in this he was this kind of underling to the to the main bad guy tessa thompson was in it as well from uh dear white people she was she was great in this so it was um i would call it average there were a lot of things that didn't work for me and a few things that i thought were quite good i thought the cinematography was was surprisingly good there were a number of specific shots that I liked a lot. There was this kind of one random scene where they were having a conversation while going through a car wash and the lights from like the, the car wash machine as they were going through were kind of illuminating the inside of the car. And I thought that it looked really cool. And there was this kind of overhead shot they did at one point where they were doing drugs with this informant on uh, in a public bathroom on a, using the baby changing table to snort lines of Coke and it was this like really cool kind of overhead shot. And they did they did some other stuff too. There was this really cool like reverse tracking shot they did through this uh it was like a club maybe. Uh so they there was some really kind of cool visuals in it as well. So those things kind of evened out the shittier aspects of the movie for me. So it ended up being sort of a straight down the middle watch for me. I'd give it like yeah. a 5, you know. But it's uh, you know good for some uh, light like enjoyment. You'll you'll probably get offended by some of the things that are said and done. Yeah. But uh, it it tries to get serious at times that and that doesn't really work either. But hey, whatever. It's called War on Everyone. Let's move on and talk about releases. Let's see what comes out next week. We got or this week rather. We got Cars Three. Thank you. you excited for Cars 3? No. Have you seen a Cars movie? I think I saw the first one. No, I totally had to. So I remember my nephew, oh my God, he watched that thing like 87 times. He's a Cars fanatic? Oh my God. He's a Cars kid? He's all about I have that. not seen a single Cars movie. I am proud of that. I don't know if I've actually seen like the entire thing, but I've probably seen, you know, because I've seen it probably like 17 separate times. So all that stuff, if you you know, chunked it together. I probably saw the whole thing. I think I saw part of maybe, I don't know if there's a show or maybe like a streak to video type of thing or a short or something. I don't know. Either way, Cars 3, not for me. All Eyes on Me comes out. This is the Tupac biopic. Stay tuned for Ryan Watch's movie this week when we will be uh, talking about this one. Uh, what, are you, what are you thinking on this? No-go? Thanks. Yeah, it's a no-go for me too. Did you, you just you know it's not going to be good. Yeah, you do. I mean, the trailer makes it look like it could be entertaining at least, but 
I'm thinking that it's going to be bad. That's that's my guess. The the guy that plays Tupac looks and acts exactly like Tupac Shakur. So good on him for that. But yeah. you need more then, than again. That's you need more yeah, than just somebody yeah. doing an impression of the person. And it seems like that's what we're doing now. Is if you can find someone that you know looks the part and stuff, like that doesn't mean you have to make a movie. Like you just don't have to. Even though you you know you have someone to to, to fill that role, right. it doesn't need to be done. Just please stop. Yep, completely agree. Or at least try to do something different with it. And this is a conversation we'll have on uh, Thursday for Ryan watches a movie. We also have Rough Night coming out. This is the one with. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, Zoe Kravitz, Kate McKinnon, Lana Glazer, Jillian Bell. What's this Did called? Did I say Kate McKinnon? I think so. Yeah. What's it called again? Rough Night. Rough Night. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Is it what? Is it Girls Night Out? Is that what that yeah, is? It's exactly what it is. It's yet another Bridesmaids hangover type movie. Uh, this is about a bunch of girls get back together for a bachelorette party and they inadvertently kill somebody. They inadvertently kill a stripper. Oh, no. And they got to deal with it. They got to deal with that. The only thing that has me interested in this, and I probably won't see it in the theater, but it's got a good cast. And the the writer-director is the, one of the the uh, um, creators of Broad City. Oh, okay. So I'm into that because right. I'm a huge fan of Broad City. So yeah. I'm kind of hoping that it's going to be that style of comedy. Yeah. So, you know, I might be on board with yeah. this one. I like the fact that Kate McKinnon plays uh, an Australian woman. Oh, jeez. It's going to be funny. You think? Yeah, I do. Oh, I'll wait to see. I'll wait to see what you think. I'm go not that. guaranteeing that I'm going to see it, but whatever. Uh, 47 meters down comes out. This is what the, uh, fuck is this shit? the shark uh, movie. It's a shark movie. And this is like getting wide release. Yeah, I think so. How, how, why is it that I walk into my movie theater and there's a giant, like, you know, poster type cardboard thingy for this movie? Why? Uh, the, the, the how poster, the poster is terrible. The standee, I don't know if it was the same one in your theater that was in, mine where it's like the shark coming up and you can stand behind it get your picture taken oh i don't think mine mine isn't interactive like oh that, yeah but... at the at my theater there was like it's like a giant shark head that's coming up from the floor and you can stand oh, behind no. it and get your picture no. taken no, mine's not like that mine's just the poster but really really big and made of cardboard <laughs> <laughs> What a terrible poster, too. I don't know if if it's the same one that's on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. That's a, that that, and, that just looks like a straight to VOD. Yeah, and I mean, I don't mean to be rude, but the first thing that I read, I'm like Claire Holt. I have no idea who that is. And then the, you know, the second name's Mandy Moore, and you're just thinking this seems like a completely you know straight to DVD. Yeah. Like, why is this the first thing that I see in my movie theater when I walk in? Yep. How is this coming? I don't know. I really don't know how they were able to get a wide release on this, but they did. I mean, horror movies sell sell tickets, so man, it's uh, it's PG thirteen, so it's probably going to be fairly tame. I think they're mm-hmm. going for that uh, 
the shallows vibe i can't imagine that it's going to be better than the shallows which i actually enjoyed the shallows how in how are you going to be making a shark attack movie and you got three sharks on the poster and then you're going to tell me that it's not rated r i know right well i think the the premise is that mandy moore and claire holt play these two girls who are on vacation and they agree to do a you know one of the shark shark cage dives Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the line breaks that is like holding them holding the cage up and they end up sinking down to the bottom of the uh on the ocean floor so they're trapped in a shark cage Mm. they have very limited air their air's running out kevin and there's sharks everywhere so what, what are they going to do? What are you going to do? What are they going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd knock my friend out. Damn. I would push her out through the, <laughs> through the cage. <laughs> and while the sharks are busy feeding off of her lifeless body, I'm swimming to the top. Holy shit. Uh, no. If we ever go to Matt, I'm not. Damn. I'm not getting in a cage with you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I'll probably check this one out when it comes out on uh, VOD or. I can tell you right now, they're not going to die. I don't think See, so. That's, like that's the shitty thing. Like you know, they're not going to die. I don't think so. No. I mean, when... but I want. That's what I want. I want to go into one of these movies where I'm going to be like, they're not going to die, and then boom, they, they die. They both die horribly. And it's just, and it, they, they just, it's just still footage, or you know, like a still camera of just sharks swimming around for like 20 minutes with no sound, nothing digesting digesting their yeah just it's extremely drawn out slow cinema style the movie's actually like three hours long and an hour and 10 minutes of that is just a shark eating these two people i'd be down wouldn't that i mean that would catch you off guard yeah uh also coming out june 16th we have once upon a time in venice the book of henry pray for rain and the journey okay no aaron's blood no, Aaron's blood's out. It's out now. You can get it. I think it's out on VOD and Blu-ray. Which that just reminds me. I've got to look that up. See what kind of reading that's got going on. Aaron's blood. Oh, Aaron's blood wouldn't wouldn't be a week without talking about Aaron's blood. This is a sleeper hit at 2017. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. That's going to be ended Letter. up on a lot of top tens, especially on Letterbox. our side. <laughs> Letterbox. It doesn't even have the director's name. <laughs> Oh no! Damn, that's not good. Oh god, not looking good for Aaron's blood. Seen a lot of two stars and one and a half stars. Mm, that hurts. Yeah. Next mm. week on VOD on June thirteenth. This is uh, Tuesday. We have Camera Obscura, which uh, I'm guessing is a horror movie about a camera of some kind, haunted camera. I'm guessing missing four one one. And then on uh, the 16th, we have Once Upon a Time in Venice. I think that's with, is that with Bruce Willis? This is Bruce Willis with a dog. That dog on the front of that. What a terrible car. God, I'm so sick of these bad posters. Jesus. Maybe I'll watch it for that dog. John Goodman, Thomas Middleditch, Jason Momoa, Famke Jensen. It's the dog, though. Why isn't the dog listed here? Never mess with a man's dog. Oh my god, how many of these fucking movies now? God damn you, John Wick. His beloved pet is stolen by thugs. Oh, Come man. on. I wonder what he does. 
I hope that the movie is just him, you know, contacting the police and then just going about his day while the police take care of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like four days of him going to work and coming home, occasionally calling the the police department and them not having any answers. That's the directorial debut of Mark Cullen, who is the screenwriter of Cop Out. So, Mm. So there you go. You know what to expect. With that one. Shit. It's going to be shit. Yeah. Blu-ray next week. We got Three Generations. That's the uh, the Weinstein one with uh, Naomi Watts and Susan Sarandon. And uh, is it Elle Fanning in that one? I think so. Uh, yeah. We have Mine. Mine. That's the, uh, the the war movie with Army Hammer. Oh. Oh, okay. We have the Ultimate Leica Collection. This is a Blu-ray set that comes with Coraline, Paranorman, Box Trolls, and Kubo. Yep. I'm into that. that. That's some good stuff right there. I haven't seen Kubo in the, in the two strings. I haven't. I haven't either. But I just uh, that's on uh, Netflix instant. I'm gonna have to give that a watch. So I just, yeah, I just saw that the other day. Definitely gonna have to give that a watch. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Madhouse is coming out. This is from 1981. It's getting an Arrow release. John Wick 2, or Chapter 2, rather, is coming out. We'll have a Blu-ray review for that uh, probably by the time you're listening to this. Blu-ray's good so far. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm working my way through the bonus content now. The Lego Batman movie. I would recommend checking that out. It's good fun. Nice. Good fun, great fun. Table 19. How did this movie go wide, too? I don't understand that. It's another one of those movies. Yeah, I don't know. Like we, I got this. I got this movie. I didn't get Train Spotting too, but I got Table Nineteen. <laughs> it's very, very odd. the The new Planet of the Apes movies are getting 4K releases. So if you have a uh, 4K TV, you can check those out in the player. And it's pretty much all I got. What do you got as far as Criterions? We got anything on the Criterion front? Uh, we got one Criterion coming out, and that's another uh, Nicholas Ray edition coming to Criterion. His 1948 film, They Live by Night. Mm. So there you go, film noir. So uh, they come at night, but they also live by it. A lot of stuff happens at night, it seems like. It's what I'm learning here. Nothing came at night, though. I haven't been able to find a movie <laughs> that came at what night. Was that, what was that one? The, um, what was the Ben Affleck one that, that he came out with last year? Oh, man. Yeah, what was that movie called? Wasn't that, was that, just, wasn't that Live by Night? Yeah, wasn't that called Live was by Night? Just straight up fucking... What a dick. Yeah, yeah, it was called Live by Night. What a fucking... <laughs> That's what I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. But, it's not what? a remake, is it? think so better not be uh after an unjust prison sentence a young innocent gets mixed up with hardened criminals and no it doesn't sound that doesn't sound right at all Hmm. interesting all right there you have it i think that's going to do it for this week thank you so much for tuning in you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at Film Pulse Kevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>